everyone, we're here today for another episode of Brain Cherries, a podcast where we discuss interesting topics and ideas around innovation, technology, and entrepreneurship. I'm here today with my co-host Erika, and today uh, we'll interview Giulio Di Giacomo. So thank you, Giulio, for being here with us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you both, Lucrezia and Erika. It's a pleasure. I am a fan of Brain Cherries. <laughs> awesome. Thank Fantastic. you so much. <laughs> Yeah, so Julia and I met during our master's, so we actually did the same master's at Bocconi University. We studied economics and management of innovation technology. But actually, before the master, Julia studied um, physics, so he did his bachelor in physics. And back then, his dream was to become a scientist and get a Nobel Prize. So yeah. <laughs> but then, somewhere along the way, he changed his mind and realized that he didn't want to be a researcher and that he was more interested in technology and business. So with Gates, Jobs and Musk as idols, he, he went on to work at Microsoft first and he's currently at Google. So today we'll focus mainly on the Google part because he's super excited about uh, Google. Uh, but we'll also review a bit of what you, you've been doing um, in the past few years, even before Google. Fantastic. Sounds uh, like a plan. Awesome. Yeah, so um, basically you did a, an internship in H-Farm, right? Where, where you're working yes. in, the, in the digital consulting sector. So we know H-Farm has different divisions, but um, so you did have your experience there, um, which I guess, even though it's consulting, it's probably really innovative since H-Farm also has the startup incubator. And then you went on to Microsoft and now you're at Google. So... I was really interested in knowing what are the differences that you found between the three different companies and also if you can give us uh, one lesson learned from each of these experiences. Mm, nice, nice. So, okay, yes, as you said, I work in these three companies. Starting from uh, H-Farm, as you said, it's like a um, startup incubator, but it also has like a digital consulting branch. And I was working mainly in the digital consulting branch. And the thing that I remember most about that is how important were clients. Like this little company had a few clients and these clients had like the 30 or 40% of revenue share. So you could not mess up with a client because if you did, it would have been very bad for the business of the entire company. And I remember I was very scared. I was working as an intern with the main client, the biggest client, and I was so nervous to make a mess. <laughs> but unfortunately, I didn't make a mess. But that was, uh, I mean, the startup reality or like the, the small company uh, reality. It's very important. Uh, you're, uh, you're little. You have not the luxury to don't give your best for every client. Instead, of course, uh, uh, pass into the world of tech, big tech, Microsoft and Google, they have uh, like... I don't even know how many clients, like in the order of thousands of tens of thousands. And uh, it's more relaxed, of course. Uh, even if I work with big clients, and uh, it's much more relaxed. Of course, the, the feeling that you can do uh, everything in these companies, like you can do uh, really it, whatever you dreamed of doing, it's stronger here because in the small company, I mean, you just need to do what they ask you to do, right? In, this, in Microsoft and Google, I was dreaming. In Microsoft, I was bringing on the, uh, ending up in the working in the quantum computing, uh, which is like a field they are exploring right now. And in Google right now, I have so many dreams and so, so many things that I could do that I, I'm, I'm flying. And, uh, so what I learned about these uh, three companies 
Well, first, uh, um, HR taught me how delicate is a business, how important it is to give your best. Microsoft taught me that uh, the business is huge. Like you have so many clients, and you have to, you know, remember who is who. You remember, you know, what you're doing with each. You have to stay on top of things. I remember that I was a little bit lost at the beginning. My manager was asking me to recap everything that was going on with the sales department in the in the few months, the previous months. And I didn't know, like, I didn't know which were the clients, how much uh, products they bought. So it was very intense. That's what I remember. That's what I learned. It's intense. And Google taught me that I can be independent. Maybe the most beautiful thing is that if I believe in something, I can go do it. They are going to trust me and they're going to give me resources and time to do that. But I have to deliver. Uh, It has to have an impact. Everything that we do in Google, uh, every little project, uh, even the core job, is measured in uh, what is the impact, how much time or how much uh, customer satisfaction did you drive. Awesome, Julia. So it'd be interesting to know which areas of the business you worked in, um, which ones you liked better and why. All right. Thank you for the question. It's a beautiful question. And uh, so uh, since I came in Google, I worked uh, mainly in Google ads. So basically in the advertising business of Google, which is also the the main one and uh, uh, the one that generates about 90% of the revenues. So it's a huge business. And uh, what I'm doing there is basically technical supports to clients that use our products to make advertising. I started basically as a kind of a generalist expert of the product. I was helping clients fixing campaigns uh, in uh, in the world of the search, the search engine of Google, and then the display campaigns. So all those campaigns that basically appear in the website as images, and then campaigns, uh, shopping campaigns. So every time that you type in Google uh, shoes, red shoes, and you see a bunch of uh, little images of uh, red shoes, that's Google uh, shopping. And also that one was something that I was uh, helping with. And then also working with Google Analytics. So clients, most of the clients use Google Analytics to measure everything. Uh, So performance, uh, how many people enter the website, what they do. And I was helping in that. This was the beginning. Uh, So a lot of uh, things in my scope. And then I basically specialized uh, towards display campaign. I became a very big expert, let's say, in the display world. I discovered many, many, many very technical things. So this is uh, up until now the experience. As I actually already said to uh, Lucrezia, I've started a rotation one or two weeks ago into a new team. It's still in the advertising world, but this time I'm not um, supporting advertisers, but publishers. Publishers are those people that make their website available to receive ads. So basically they also earn money because a part of the revenue generated by these ads, uh, by this uh, business, is shared with the publishers. So it's a new world and uh, I am uh, starting to discover it. But of course, Google is much, much more. Uh, there's so many organizations and branches and uh, I can talk about something that I like. Uh, something that I've always loved about Google is uh, Google X. Google X is like the, the laboratory of Google where new businesses and new technology are born. and. Uh, if you think about businesses like uh, Waymo, uh, the the self-driving car was born in Google X as a project. 
And basically what happened is that it became so successful as a project that it graduated into a different business that now is under the, the alphabet holding. And uh, aside from this kind of crazy lab, which is like also my dream to you know end up uh, into, I really like DeepMind. DeepMind is uh, like an organization that does AI research and also AI applications. It was acquired by Google because it was an independent company at first, but now it's like a very important part of uh, what Google is. Uh, they do crazy thing. They developed also the famous software AlphaGo, which uh, basically is like a software that plays a game that is called Go, which is uh, supposedly the hardest game ever created. And Google is able to play it very, very well. AlphaGo beat it, um, every expert and every champ champions. So these are things that I like. And of course, there's a big part that I didn't speak of. It's YouTube. YouTube is part of Google and I love YouTube. It's also a very big part of the advertising business, but it's also uh, something else. It's also giving the, the chance to people to upload content, to express themselves. It's not only about money, it's about giving a platform uh, for people to express themselves. So as you as you see, there's so many things. And this is like only the tip of the icebergs. There are so many other things. Maybe one thing, even you've mentioned uh, advertising and YouTube, I think in the next years they're going to be, and there is already a big growth of video advertising. I was curious to know from, from you, why do you think video advertising is becoming so powerful? And, you know, what role is Google playing? Of course, YouTube, the main platform, but what other players do you think are, are playing a role here? Huh, interesting question. <laughs> uh, so why is becoming so important? Well, more and more people pass more and more time on YouTube. YouTube is becoming a very kind of glorified platform. It's not, not only about cats, as uh, some people would think. It's about everything. You have uh, uh, any kind of content, vlogs, travel videos, silly videos, gaming kind of videos, but also very premium videos. Like, for example, Nike, for example, think of Nike. There are so many videos of Nike that are like with a very high budget, like very high quality of videos, and they basically sell something or, or tell something about this company. And as Nike, there are so many other brands that upload content, premium content on YouTube. So basically, this platform is full of uh, uh, premium content. And uh, when there's premium content and there's quality, there's also this kind of uh, attraction. I think, uh, I'm not an expert on this, but I think uh, there's this attraction towards the platform. And the more you're on the platform, the more you click on ads and the more you buy than something. It's not like an evil mechanism like that, that makes people click and buy as people would think, but it's just that if I spend time on YouTube because uh, there's so many things that I want to see and sometimes I see an ad, of course, sometimes if I see something that is related to what I love or what I need, I will, I'm going to click. Uh, so this is why the video part of advertising is becoming important. And in terms of uh, players, hmm, it's interesting because, uh, of course, if you think of YouTube, uh, it, it is the main platform by far. There are other platforms like uh, Vimeo, uh, which is also a, a platform of uh, very premium content. So many photographers, many filmmaking uh, upload their content on Vimeo. I don't know what is the business aspect of Vimeo, how they make money, probably advertising as well. And uh, that I know of, there are, there are not many other competitors also because YouTube has a beautiful thing, which is called YouTube for players, which is basically the YouTube player 
can be embedded on websites. So every time you, for example, go on to create a website using WordPress or Wix or every kind of uh, famous uh, uh, website creator, they always have the kind of video embed that is basically a YouTube player. I'm not an expert of uh, you know, com competition, this kind of stuff, but th this is how it is for now. And it works. Of course, there's Facebook. Facebook is our main competitor. And they have, of course, a very big part, which is related to video. But I think it's a little bit different, honestly. I think the quality is a little bit different. I don't know much about Facebook and I don't want to, you know, say anything bad about the, this company. But if you if you think about also the kind of material and the content that uh, circulates in Facebook, it's uh, famously a little bit different. There's like uh, some fake news or this kind of content that is a little bit, maybe a little bit less uh, controlled or or checked. Maybe maybe YouTube has more policies and the, the content is more curated, more more premium, I would say. But it, this is my opinion. I'm not too sure if even this is true, but that would be the difference for me. You mentioned uh, social media and, and fake news. So I was interested in knowing if you had seen the Social Dilemma documentary. Hmm. I have not. I have not. Everybody is uh, asking me to, to, to watch it. But I'm a little bit against these kind of uh, documentaries because, because uh, I, I haven't watched this. So I'm, I may be wrong. But oftentimes, these documentaries are a little bit biased. They want to show the bad, the evil of the social medias. And this company, Google, Facebook, Apple, I don't think that that's the truth. Maybe they uncover many things that are true, but what they want to portray often, I don't think is the truth. Like living and working in Google, I know that there's no this kind of evil that is uh, whose purpose is uh, of collecting data and selling data and, and using it for basically generating money. It's not only that. And I think these documentaries oftentimes uh, say this. Facebook is a, another thing. I don't know Facebook. But I, I can really, I, I kind of bet that it's not all evil. Uh, I'm pretty sure. No, I agree. I think uh, Lucrez hasn't watched it either. So that, definitely homework. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you, actually. And uh, if you watch it, you realize, yes, it's definitely biased. And, you know, working in a tech company and, you know, speaking with people that work in tech companies is actually not as bad as they portray And in, in general, I actually think that social media just accelerate human behavior. They just make it bigger and, and more, you know, rapid in evolution. It's, yes. uh, it's human behavior in, in its, you know, most accelerated form, but it's still a human behavior. Absolutely. So, yeah. I absolutely agree, really. Uh, this is like a, a very interesting topic for me. And uh, I hear many times, especially, you know, when I talk with my parents, my, my uh, cousins, like uh, family, uh, friends, uh, the view that social media is bad. I, I don't think that. I never thought that. And as you said, it's like an acceleration of human of humans and human behaviors. And uh, of course, there are like some uh, bad things that happen there. For example, the, the example of fake news. Of course, if you give a platform that is free, that is uh, democratic, everybody can upload and they can upload fake content. But this is not the, the uh, I mean, the fault of the platform. Of course, the platform has to learn, uh, you know, in time to moderate this content and to find what is fake and what is, uh, what is not, and, and then find a solution. But I mean, fake content existed before facebook even like i mean you can go to a um a journal like a local journal and invent a story and 
and convince people that it's true. Like, so I really believe in the power of social media. There are like some side effects, of course, but it's not all evil. Uh, and I really loved. I really love also getting to know how it evolved. It started from Facebook, and now there's Instagram, of course, and now there's TikTok. How? What is going to be the next thing? Uh, it's super fascinating, and I really want to know what what comes next. Thank you for listening so far. Before we continue with the second part of our interview with Giulio, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps. You can also find us on all social media, so you can follow us there as well. I'm interested in knowing what's the most unexpected thing that you that you found at Google, because of course. A lot of people are fascinated by the company for a variety of reasons. Um, and you told us already a bit about what excites you in Google, but what would be the one thing that you just couldn't imagine you would have experienced or been exposed to in Google that you, that you found? Okay. Um, super interesting question. I would say the most unexpected thing is the 20%. So everybody knows the 20% thing about Google, right? So yeah. Supposedly, I, what I knew before joining Google is that 80% of your work is uh, your core job and 20% is a side projects or whatever you want to do. I came in Google super excited to, you know, for this 20%, this kind of rule. And I discovered it's not true. It's not true. I mean, uh, you work 100% on your role. That's it. I think it's more 120%. Exactly. If you want to do something else, it's on top. Which is, um, which is, I mean, it's kind of fair on, on one side because, I mean, if you have one thing to do, you have to do it 100%. It's not like you have to do it a little bit less. But the beautiful thing is that I can. Really, I, this is probably the thing that I like the most about Google and the thing that I discovered and I was super, wow, super unexpected and I really like it. As I said before, a little bit, the trust they give you, the independence they give you. Uh, you have your job. 100%. But if you have ideas on uh, anything, really, to improve a little process of your job or to improve a little process of any other team or just, you know, a business idea or anything that you have in mind, you can do it. And it's good. Like, they trust you to, to do things. That you're not even uh, really micromanaged. Like, if you propose, for example, to your manager uh, a project, they say, go, go do it. Uh, come back in two months and uh, let's see what you've done. And uh, I can do whatever I want. I can work on this whenever I want and uh, and I'm totally free. And this is the, also the way in which I actually did a lot of projects. A lot of projects that I did in this kind of, what, three years of Google uh, were born like this. Me and my colleagues or me and my flatmate, which is also my colleague and my best friend, talking about the thing and say, what, what can we do? You know what? Let's do this. Let's do uh, this a little tool, internal tool to help uh, this team to do this better. Or let's uh, use machine learning, like learn machine learning and then use what we learn to improve a process. And we did. We did many times and it's beautiful. This is really the most beautiful discovery about Google, I think. Yeah. Can you give us some examples of uh, some of these projects that you've done? I'm, I'm very curious if you have one that you're particularly proud of. Yes. So there are many, many that I'm very proud of. The one that I'm most proud of is the, the first one, 
because I was I was there for like uh, two months. I I was a, a really a newbie, uh, a noobler they say, a new googler. Uh, really, I was only supposed to learn what I needed to do and do it. But then I had this idea of basically helping people consult. So internally, we have this method of uh, basically raising questions. If you uh, if you have a task and you don't know how to do it, you can basically raise the question to more experienced people. And this process is called a consult. Uh, and you cons it can consult to many people, right? There's so many people, experts in so many things. And basically there's kind of a, uh, a network, right? Uh, but especially for new people that join and they don't know anything, it's really hard to understand who do you need to ask? Who do you consult to? Uh, who's the right team? Who's the right person? Uh, there was no like a mapping of that. So the first thing that I did, and it was like, uh, really, I was there for two months only, and is mapping the entire network of teams and relationships and uh, the entire possible problems and uh, kind of question that you could raise and could you consult and basically create uh, an internal tool. It was uh, actually a web page, but I mean, I referred it as a tool. Uh, and it was uh, basically a web page showing this mapping. There was a search bar in which you, you could search the topic or the team or the person. And uh, I mean, that made it easier to uh, to consult. It was uh, nothing crazy, eh? nothing special, but I did it. And I was uh, independent into it. And I was there for only two months. And uh, it, it brought also a little bit of impact, let's say, a little bit of help to people. And uh, this was by far not the most, uh, the most impactful uh, project that I did, but it's the favorite because, uh, because it, was, it was my own. It, it was the first time that I realized, wow, I can do many things in this company, I can do whatever I want in this company. And that was the start of everything. Yeah. That's awesome. I think I'm going to steal this one for, for my own company, <laughs> the company that I work for. Because no, as you said, it, it might be a simple idea, but it just, uh, I think especially in, in companies that grow at a really fast pace, like well, Google, of course, and that also Databricks, the company that I work for. The problem is that there's new knowledge created at such a fast hmm. pace that it's really, really hard, as you said, to, to keep the pace. And so often, even though hmm. you were, you've been working in the company for a while, maybe you already had an understanding of the technology before you joined, but there's just so many new things happening the whole time that you will always have questions. And, and sometimes, yeah, the struggle is just to find the right people to ask to. So uh, yeah. this is quite great. I, I will definitely <laughs> I can do something similar in, in Databricks. <laughs> so thank you that, that was really interesting um could you tell us maybe this is a, a trickier question but could you tell us about a challenge mm. that you had in google and and uh and how you could do it a challenge hmm. um a challenge that i had personally yeah like something that you struggled with something that you weren't expected to to experience so i think i i come uh, two things come to my mind First of all, one is related to what you just said. So I had this idea and I mapped all the possible consult paths or teams or people. But then what happened? New teams arrived, new people arrived, some people left. And uh, and this, uh, this map changed. And in my tool, didn't change because they didn't follow the, the, the change, the evolution, right? So one challenge was, okay, I can do something good that can help, but how can I make it sustainable? How can I make it last? Like the impact of this thing, that does it last one month? And then next year, 
is just useless or or is something that can be useful or if it's something that changes and i mean it, it needs to change who does that how can you maintain something that you do uh, to to make it you know uh, worth doing it right uh, that was uh, that was quite a quite a challenge actually because uh, of course i didn't think about it at the beginning i didn't even know that the how dynamic was the company how many things changed and uh, it's crazy i don't know about your companies but google changes or changes all the time the teams the organization the the, the responsibilities like it's it's uh, really dynamic <laughs> so i mean uh, that was something that uh, i needed to learn uh, to do things that were sustainable uh, sustainable it's a word that i mean you hear everywhere but for me it has the meaning of you do something that lasts if it's not sustainable it, it lasts only one two three months one year and then it's useless you have to make something that is uh, useful all the time or that you can maintain or that somebody else can maintain maybe you can just uh, pass you know the the baton i mean the responsibility to somebody else so uh, that was a challenge and actually another one uh, which was uh, hmm, interesting and i didn't expect that so google is a is a fantastic company and uh, it's famous for having this kind of startup vibe startup kind of culture and uh, in some aspects it has this uh, beautiful culture very dynamic very fresh very chill very relaxed but of course uh, it's a company with more than 100,000 employees so it's a huge company so it, of course we cannot pretend it's a startup uh, but at the same time i expect it to be to be very easy when, once inside Google to change team, to change uh, kind of product organization, to change office. If I wanted to to, to go to New York uh, after two years, I wanted to go to New York, I could do it, or Singapore or Tokyo. And if I wanted to go from Google Ads to YouTube to Google Brain, I could do it. And uh, that's not quite easy. I just learned that. And it's still a challenge for me because uh, I uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of good with the advertising world. I want to do something else in the future. So I want to know exactly how to do it. How can I go to another team? Uh, I mean, if I want to go to YouTube, do I have the expert, the experience for, I mean, that makes me eligible to that? How can I achieve that? How can I just change job or just change location? Uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's possible. I have many friends that went to San Francisco or Singapore or New York or London, uh, but it's uh, harder than, than you think. So yeah, I will need to learn how to do it. I think you're right, uh, just in, in general, in terms of uh, changing jobs or changing industries. I've noticed there's something where yeah. when you exit university, you think that every door is open, but then at the same time, once you start specializing in something, it's more difficult to change. And uh, this specialization happens quite fast. Uh, I think there is a tendency to put people in, in boxes and... Uh, you know, tell them, okay, now you are, I don't know, advertising specialist, so that's what you do. And if you say, no, no, I want to be something else because I want to learn something else, I think not everyone yeah. is open to give that opportunity. So I think there are some companies that do better than others, absolutely. But uh, still definitely a challenge to like uh, change industry just because you want to learn something new. It's something that I found, uh, I found quite different than I was expecting in the in the world world of, of jobs uh but definitely the, the reality so yes yes and it was always like a like a little fear of mine to be stuck in something i mean if you look at my past i passed from science from physics so relativity quantum atoms to management and now to tech to technology i mean i like i like doing that right i like changes 
So I fear that I could be stuck to something. But at the same time, I also have the feeling that in Google, I can, if I, if I, if I push, you know, experience the different worlds. I like, I like uh, YouTube, I really. I like uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. I like uh, automation. So I, I really hope that I can experience those things. But I have the feeling that I, I will. So it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of good. Talking about uh, machine learning, given you mentioned it, uh, what are the areas uh, in machine learning that I think are more interesting uh, at Google and what is Google doing in this space? Well, uh, so um, machine learning is uh, is fantastic because uh, it's a revolution. It gives you the power to do basically everything. And the Google uh, has learned that. I think uh, most, uh, most tech companies have, have learned that. And you can see machine learning everywhere. Everything is Google has machine learning. And the, the fields that maybe where machine learning applies the most are, first of all, advertising. Uh, we have uh, this thing that is beautiful. It's called auto automation in advertising, and in particular, auto bidding. So uh, I don't know if, if you know a little bit how it works with advertising, how you make a campaign. So basically, very gen generally, we have an advertiser and a publisher. The publisher makes their website and their ad slots in the website available. So many advertisers need to compete to put their ad in, in this field. Of course, what is the criteria that uh, allows uh, one advertiser to win? There are two. One, or actually more, but uh, mainly two. Uh, one is uh, how much you are willing to spend. So the bid, you, there's like an auction, right? Everybody bids. And then how relevant is your content that you're advertising with the website where you want to show your ad? And then there are many others, but these are the most important. So the relevance, I mean, you cannot change that. But the bidding, what is the right bids? Like, of course, you want to win, but you want to spend the least possible. So, I mean, it takes a little bit of knowledge and uh, usually people would do it manually for every campaign, every ad, they would manually uh, make bids. And Google came up with uh, the system, which is automatic and works for everybody, is of course free, which is called auto bidding. Every campaign has this uh, machine learning system and algorithm that basically learns in time to make bid bids. And these bids are optimal because uh, they allow many, many advertisers to win the right auctions, uh, but spend it the least possible. So basically having like a return on investment higher than the which you have uh, doing manual bids. So it's fantastic. And it, this is machine learning. Uh, in particular, this is an example of reinforced machine learning. The more you use it, the more it learns, the more it finds new strategy and the, and the successful strategies it uses again. And basically after kind of a learning period, you have this... Uh, auto-bidding strategy, auto-bidding system that is very, very uh, performing. So this is one. And then, of course, you have, uh, I think I mentioned this before, Waymo, the, the self-driving car. This is fantastic. This is a machine, pure machine learning. In particular, this is a, a visual recognition. The car, these systems in the cars, they use um, a bunch of telecameras and also uh, LiDARs, which is basically they use light to to scan the environment. And these kind of images that are constructed, they are read by a machine learning uh, software, let's say. And uh, they basically, this software uh, needs to uh, recognize images because uh, the world is an image. And we, uh, we the, the, the software needs to recognize whether there's a person, there's a cat, there's another car, how far and near they are. 
So this is beautiful. This is, I think, super exciting. Waymo was one of the first companies to do that or projects to do that. Uh, of course, uh, we have many others in this field. We have Tesla, uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic field. So uh, we have this example and, uh, and of course we have uh, Google Brain and Google Brain and, and DeepMind, which are kind of, kind of two organization about AI. They're trying to do research uh, on AI. I don't know much about what they do because it's very, very technical, very, very advanced. But I mean, it's it's public. They publish every, I think every year, uh, they release like a list of uh, discoveries and publications that they did. So everybody can have a look. I was reading it actually some weeks ago. Uh, it's fantastic. They're doing crazy stuff, really crazy stuff. And uh, it's very powerful. Machine learning for Google is... Uh, is a fundamental, yeah. So you mentioned um, a few really cool things. If you, and I don't know if you can talk about this um, or, or, or if you're aware of it, but thinking about longer term company strategy, especially in relation to machine learning, artificial intelligence and, and data analytics at large, let's say, what do you think is Google's biggest bet? Like, what's the direction that you can see them following and really believing in for for the years to come? <laughs> right. The good news is that I can talk about it. <laughs> uh, so, because it, the, what I'm going to say is public. So, I think that the strategy of Google uh, regarding AI is, of course, developing beautiful products that use machine learning and AI. But the real strategy is to create services and products that people can use to create uh, AI and machine learning uh, experiences or tools. Uh, so platforms, like Google is always about platforms. I, I create a platform about advertising, uh, uh, basically a information platform, uh, a video platform. It's always about platform. And what they are, I think that they're going to do with machine learning is create a platform that many companies and people can access. Uh, that allows them to create machine learning algorithms for their companies, for their projects. Uh, if you see uh, about concrete uh, uh, projects that Google has, um, we have BigQuery, which is like a language that uh, that allows people to do a data analytics, analytics, basically, and also leverage machine learning. And also, we have some very exciting products. One of those is AutoML. Uh, AutoML is a platform that allows people to create uh, machine learning algorithms without knowledge of machine learning. So basically, uh, it's very um, it's very user-friendly. It, it takes you with your hand uh, towards your objective. You basically uh, need to do a, a bunch of steps. It, you follow what, what uh, the platform says that you need to do, and you do that. And uh, basically, from a, a, a data set of, uh, of data, for example, your your sales reports for the last year, let's say. You input it and the, the tool basically generates a machine learning model, the one that you choose. And in the end, you have the result. And so most of the time is like a predictive uh, model that based on the past can say, kind of make a forecast for the future. I am absolutely convinced that this, this is the future for Google, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned this and I allow myself to comment on it and, and give my opinion just because I was working as a data scientist before the current role. So it's actually something that I that I do have a point of view upon. Um, I think it's great that uh, Google and other companies are thinking about 
building tools to democratize machine learning because I, I also do think machine learning is going to be a central part of our of our lives, of our of the tools that we use. Um, and it can really support us in a lot of activities and in a lot of decision making processes. So the democratization of it is great. At the same time, I always had a fear of these tools that promise to give you an answer without you needing to even understand what's, what's going on behind the scenes. Um, and the reason why I'm saying this is because behind a machine learning algorithm, there's just an algorithm. So the aim of the algorithm is to find a strategy to get to the minimum of this loss function and it being just a mathematical formula, basically, um, it, we say that it, it always converges. Converging means reaching the bottom, so the minimum of this function. The problem is that if you don't have a good idea of the data that you're working on, so for example, if you feed unprepared data into a machine learning algorithm, you will get an answer, so the algorithm will converge, but the answer might not actually provide you any kind of valuable insight or even correct insight because the data that you fed into the algorithm were not well prepared. So then this is the famous saying, garbage in, garbage out, that I mentioned before, and I kind of mention it every time I can, I have the opportunity to do so. And by garbage, we mean data that is not well prepared. So I think the biggest challenge for Google and any other companies that, that are working on democratizing machine learning, for example, by creating tools that are really easy to use, will be to actually educate the users of these tools to make sure that they understand that if they don't prepare the data well, they will get an answer from the algorithms that has no value whatsoever. So this is my point of view. Um, it is my fear, but at the same time, I'm also excited to see what these, uh, these big companies that have a lot of great, smart people um, inside them, what kind of solution they can, they can find for this kind of problem. Yes, absolutely. Like, uh, I cannot agree more. Uh, I have worked uh, with machine learning in my job a few times, and, uh, and uh, we always say, and uh, and as we, we, I mean, me and some colleagues, one, one of them is my best friend, flatmate, fellow Googler. And we always say uh, a machine learning model is only as good as the data that you feed it. If you have bad data, which is, uh, um, I don't know, disorganized or just uh, a little bit biased or has problems, and maybe you don't see these problems, the algorithm is going to reflect those problems. Uh, these tools don't do magic. Uh, so as you say, um, for now, you need a person that knows what, what they're doing, because uh, if, if a person that doesn't know anything about machine learning does that, they probably will have an outcome that is not um, useful. But I think that the challenge will be also for Google and anybody that does it, that wants to create this platform to educate people. Maybe the platform itself is a, also education tool. If you do something, maybe there, there could be alerts or messages that uh, ask you whether You've done something uh, that you needed to do or basically check the data set and uh, find some problems i mean i think you can assist people to do that uh, but generally speaking i think you're right you need a little bit of machine learning it's still uh, it's still a science in the end yeah? yeah i think what i like about that is the fact that uh, you know you reduce the time that it takes to actually get to a result so you know you you, you have your data and i'm sure you know they still 
these companies will still need teams that you know clean up the data and actually collect the right data and the right variables. But then you can reduce the time that it takes to run the analysis, and then you probably still need a bit of of time and you know some good knowledge for people interpreting the data, which still I think it's something that the tool by itself cannot do. Uh, you can have an amazing platform that you know gets you to the result very fast, but then if you don't know how to interpret the result, there's not much value you can get out of that. So I still think that they're trying to solve the Beedle problem that is running the analysis, making it as fast and as, as simple as possible, and then probably leaving some space before and after for still very, you know, professional activities that is collecting the data, the right variable, setting up the problem in the right way, and then at the end, analyzing the pro the results and coming up with like next steps on what to do. But I like that. I think it's it's the right direction to go. Yes, uh, as, uh, as Lucrezia said, it's about acceleration. Uh, uh, this is a very nice trend that I've seen uh, before, like for example, with Tesla. Tesla is about accelerating the advent of electric vehicles, right? It doesn't mean that electric vehicles will be there and uh, every company will be able to do uh, electric cars by themselves. But you know what they did was uh, making open the intellectual property and uh, this this kind of uh, maneuvers to make it make it easier for people to do electric cars. Uh, doesn't mean that everybody is going to do it and is going to be easy. The same goes here. Uh, these platforms accelerate and democratize the way people can access these tools, can do machine learning calculations. But of course, you need first uh, knowledge at the base and also a knowledge at the end to interpret the results. So I totally agree with both of you. <laughs> I think we are towards the end of this interview. So I have one final question for you. What do you think Google taught you that another company couldn't have? All right. So Google, Google, what taught me was that um, I think satisfaction, employees, satisfaction is uh, crucial. Um, if I ever will create a company, I will try to mimic Google because Google does the things well, which is uh, making employees generally happy. Satisfaction is important. I mean, the way people get up in the morning and want to work and do their job is what makes uh, a company successful. Like, I mean, if the most employee are not uh, not happy about their company or their managers or their product or their know, mission or anything, they're not going to do very well. Uh, that, that's what I believe and that's what I see in Google. I see a bunch of people that are very excited to go to Google. Not everybody is like, equally excited. I, myself, uh, super excited i really like google and one of the most in the morning it says everybody ciao, 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 ciao. Uh, like i really like being there i like working not everybody's like that of course there's different personalities nobody is maybe actually passionate about google maybe somebody is there for uh, just a brief period of their life maybe there is not their end goal right but in general uh, people are happy we have the I mean, the offices are beautiful the culture is uh, respectful, is uh, kind of relaxed, uh, is uh, it's comfortable. And I mean, we also have uh, interesting people. I go to work and I know that I can talk to that, that guy over there or that girl in the other floor and talk and learn and maybe start a project together. It's very interesting. It's very stimulating. So 
if I open a company one day, um, a firm, and uh, I want to do it like Google, I want to stimulate people. I want them to relax, to have like a PlayStation over there. They can break for one hour, play, play, or maybe ping pong or something. Very, very easy. But also a big mission and and interesting people and very passionate people. So that that's it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us today, Giulio. You shared so much, so many interesting information. Uh, and I must admit, I remember already this, like from back when we were at uni together, I remember how passionate you were about everything that you do. <laughs> and I'm really glad that you haven't lost this passion at all. I'd be happy to schedule a follow-up conversation with you in a few months to check whether you made uh, another shift to a different role uh, within Google, or maybe if you ended up founding your own company, which uh, I can see happening. Thank you very much. It was uh, really a pleasure. I had so much fun. I really, really like this, uh, this podcast in general and the idea of, uh, of making podcasts. So, well, thank you. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you all in the next episode of Brain Cherries. Bye.